Welcome to the Making Sense Podcast. This is Sam Harris. Okay, well, we have released the third season of Absolutely Mental. So today I'm previewing that for you. So you get to hear from Ricky Gervais. It is always great fun for me to speak with him. Anyway, if you enjoy this, the other episodes in season three, as well as the first two seasons, are all available at absolutelymental.com. Enjoy. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I am good. I actually have a question for you that I've been forgetting to ask before we move to anything that's on your mind. I, I We're um, at the moment where we're deciding uh, whether or not to get a pet. My two girls want a pet, and um, it's the dog versus cat conversation. I notice yeah. you're always uh, tweeting pictures of your cat, but I know you're a, you're also a, a dog lover. Do, do you not have a dog? Yeah, no. We uh we cover other people's. I go walking mm-hmm. every day just to meet dogs. I think I told you. I, I, I talk about right. this in my stand up that I know about two hundred dogs by name. Right, right. And uh, you know, it's they're an absolute joy, a dog. But there's two reasons why we don't have a dog. One, I travel too much. Mm-hmm. You can leave a cat sitter and it's happy. It gets fed. That's it. You know, with a dog, I can't stand that look on their face. Right. And they go, why, why are you leaving me? <laughs> They're just too... I, I, when I was growing up, I used to go on holiday with my mum. My dad used to look after the house and dog sit. And that was his holiday too, because he could get drunker. And uh, when we came home, our dog pretended to be ill, like come out limping or something. And the vet said, yeah, it's, it's just he it doesn't want you to go away again, you know. So they, they do have... I mean, they, they do have emotions very human-like, very close to us, that mm. attachment that, you know, that w- what looks like, you know, fear, shame, gratitude, unlike a cat. The other, the other reason, if I'm honest, I, I don't think I can live through 15 years of knowing I'm going to have to say goodbye to that dog. It's bad enough with cats. And it's, it feels just as bad, you know. I've, mm. Every cat I've had to put down, I've, I've been in a state. It's like but you, you can't but you do help think- but- you do think you're, there's less of an emotional attachment to a cat in the end, no matter how attached you are, it's worse for, with a dog? No, I think there's less of an emotional attachment from a cat. Oh. So, you know, I, I can personify pretty much I can feel I can mm-hmm. feel sorry for a car that's left in the road for too long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, 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 uh, I do think because there's a genuine, it looks like, human camaraderie from a dog more than a cat right there's still something about the cat that sits on you because it wants to be warm and i feel with a dog and i could be totally wrong and and you know more about it than me but i feel there's genuine love from a dog yeah you you know so uh, that's my pros and cons that's no reason not to have a dog that's like saying you you shouldn't have friends <laughs> or family in case or, they or, die. or I shouldn't have had the kids in the first place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, yeah, well, yeah. That's something else in the world we're leaving them. But right. um, you know, I, I, I don't know. If I'm honest, that that would be the reason. It, you know, I, I, I think the traveling too much, and if you're going to have a dog, I feel you've got to have a dog twenty four seven, and it's your friend, and you've got to be with it. You know, and as I say, it's okay to leave a cat for a couple of days if it's in its own environment or whatever. But I mean, I'd always say get a pet though. For all the pain 
you eventually go through and the you know the inconvenience and remembering to walk it feed it every day or whatever it is i i think that's i c- i can't imagine not being around animals or pets mm-hmm. do you know what i mean i just genuinely it sets me up there is something you, you don't you don't that's think that's, that's the toxoplasmosis talking i don't know what that is but tell me <laughs> it's a, isn't it it's a it's a, it's a brain parasite you get from exposure to cat feces. Oh, yeah. No, uh, I, you know, I, I honestly still try and keep away from pets' feces. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try and distance myself. <laughs> you know, I, a good uh, policy. I, I go for the other end. Yeah. I like to, you know, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll let a dog lick my face, uh-huh. but that's, that's, where, <laughs> that's well. where I draw the line. <laughs> Well, that's that's putting a lot of faith in the dog's behavior. Yeah, the dog, the, the dogs famously don't draw the line too well themselves. So no, well, I think I think it's a no-brainer. Of course, of course, children should have pets. Yeah, I, right. I think it's also a learning process as well. That that attachment and yeah. then that early loss. I think. Well, the, the thing I for me is, it, I, I always grew up with dogs, so I, I don't have a you know I have a very clear sense of what it's like to have a dog and how great that is as a kid. But the uh, yeah, I, 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 I've, never, I've never lived with cats. So no, well, I mean. It, it, it's it's very different, obviously. It's it, cat, cats have got sort of one mode, mm-hmm. you know. With dogs, there's the <laughs> there's degrees yeah. of stuff yeah. and lots of cats. Cats are either alive or dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you don't know till you open the box. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so I right, so no, they've got to get a yeah, get one of each. Yeah, if they're puppies well, and kittens. That's the longer negotiation that I've yeah. noticed directed at my I think brain. It also, I think it also teaches them duty. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you can't suddenly go, I don't feel like doing this today or feeding them or walking them. I do have another question about cats, though. So you, you, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess some people are allergic to dogs, but I never seem to encounter people who, are, who, who admit to a dog allergy. But, but I, I do know people who are seriously allergic to cats and so what happens yeah. when, when someone with a cat allergy shows up well i think at your you house? know i think you know don't you by then right I mean, it's re- very rarely that w- one of you gets it and suddenly realizes you, you, ju- you just also, killed your best friend yeah exactly <laughs> the, yeah the, the, the pen's expired and it's the it's the actual dander isn't it mm-hmm. of the, the cat and dog no dog are quite common that's why the labradoodle was invented because they found out that poodles are sort of hypoallergenic so yeah. they bred poodles with everything, and then you can get most breeds of dogs if it's bred with a poodle. And uh, I think it, that's it's, it's mostly very... for the shedding, though. People just like not having the hair all over their clothing. Oh, is it? It's a yeah. fashion thing, is it? I thought it was because it that they were they were you were less people were less allergic to mm. them. I could yeah, be wrong. I think. Well, well we sorted that out you in Los Angeles. Get, you... I think it's all about the hair. Right. Okay. Yeah. You got your black clothing that you don't want. Well, that's uh, that's the other thing as well about cats and dogs. Um, that the, the, uh, the black cats are the last one to be left in rescue homes. People don't want them. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was superstition, and it was to a certain degree. But now the worst, the worst crime, right, is people don't want black cats because they don't Instagram well, oh which God. is like the most infuriating, <laughs> shallow reason I've ever heard. I mean, yeah. I just uh, if there's. If you want to get more annoyed at the world, just know that fact. <laughs> yeah, just, just filter by by, by Instagram. Yeah, oh, Instagram. God, thought. wait a minute. So, and so, what kind of breed of cat do you have? That's a, a very uh, good looking uh, cat. You, you keep um, Instagramming. Uh, a a moggy, a big old normal rescue cat, a big fat, healthy tabby. Uh-huh. Just a yeah, 
So yeah, but that's and what that's called. That, that is a tabby cat. Tabby, yeah, with a bit of tortoiseshell. I mean, there's uh-huh. yeah, but okay. always get a rescue as well. Don't buy these five thousand pounds designer dogs that right. have been from sort of horrible farms and stuff. Always get a rescue. Go to a pound. Right. Get a big old moggy or a big old mutt. Okay, I have another question that was on my mind to ask you. Have you watched any of this new Beatles documentary? I haven't yet, no. Oh. I haven't. Let's, no, let's I talk mean, about that when you do, because it's, uh, okay. it's pretty interesting. Uh, it's an interesting experience of anthropology, watching these guys interact and create. Oh, really? Yeah. All right, okay. I'll have a look. I'll get around. It's one of those things that you get around to five years after, right. I think. Right. When there's too much hype, I dig in. I go, no. Huh. I'm not going to watch it because everyone else is. I'll watch it in five years. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll have a look. Well, I've, um, my, my question, I think this might be right up your alley because I remember a few years ago, I think when we first came in contact with each other, you sent me, you'd done a, a sort of an epic essay, as I remember, or a small book, whatever mm. you'd call it, on lying, hadn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, you blurbed it. I think that was our first connection. Yeah. I sent it to you. As, yeah. As I remember, it was mostly about the morality of lying. Yeah. I, I, I sort of, I watched this thing that was more about the anthropology and the psychology of lying and the evolution of lying. And uh, uh, have you, do you know the lying experiment they did with different sample groups? I, I know some experiments, but I don't know, the, I don't know what you're well, referencing. I'll try and explain it, right? Mm-hmm. So they got a, a group of people, a lot of people, they told them they were doing a test, but not what it was or what, what they were testing, obviously. And what it was to answer as many questions, I think they were just maths questions, as many as they could in a certain time. And, uh, oh, and then they, they, and they would, could grade themselves. Yeah, they would mark it themselves yeah. and then shred the papers. Right. Now, what they didn't know was they, they weren't really shredded, so people could tell if they were telling the truth. So they got a dollar for every question they got right. right? And 70% of people lied, mm-hmm. but only a little bit. They could have lied a lot more, but right. they, they made it realistic. And we all, we all lie, apparently. Uh, and then they did another experiment where instead of getting a dollar per question, they got a token per question, and they had to go somewhere else to cash it in. And because of that one-step removal of responsibility, like they weren't ripping off the person they were talking to, mm. they lied even more, <laughs> right? And then they did another experiment where before they did the test, they just said, oh, we're going to do this, right? They're going to tell them what's going to happen. They said, Please promise not to lie. And mm. they didn't. And they, they didn't did, lie. They lied, they lied a lot less. Yeah. So it, I think it's about, it was about social responsibility and guilt, and, which is fascinating that if you're going to lie, and I just wonder where it came from because it's obviously part of our evolution. It's obviously due to group selection where I, I suppose it was, it was more important, wasn't it? It was more important to lie to survive. It, it, very rarely now. Lying is a matter of life and death, mm. is it? And, the, and I think a lot, of our, a lot of our moral decisions are, you know, our conscious sort of mind suppressing our instincts that might be bad or might have been, you know, more useful before. But apparently it exploded with the advent of language, but th- there's always been lies in our evolution, even down to, you know, camouflage is a lie in the, you know, uh, pretending you're poisonous when you're not and things like that. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I just, um, I wonder if you know more about the the psychology of why we lie because I think everyone does apparently. Yeah, well, I, you know, I had a um a total change in my outlook on this topic. It's really one of the I can count on I think one hand and even just a couple of fingers 
moments in my life where my my relationship to a a whole set of behaviors and norms and just you know something that was kind of background became suddenly foreground and uh, you know just I had a change in how I decided to live as a person and it was based on this course I took at, at, in college and as a freshman and it was just a course that analyzed whether lying was ever ethical and it was just this machine for producing people who came out the other side of it convinced that lying was basically always wrong right now i i, I, right. I carve out that's a tricky one yeah i mean there's kind of self-defense situations I've, i view lying now as sort of the first step on the continuum of violence so that when you're when you're dealing with someone who you really can't collaborate with this is not a rational interlocutor anymore this is somebody who is to one or another degree your enemy and you're now deciding how much violence you need to use to get them out of your life a lie is, is, you know, ethically permissible and even necessary uh, in that case. You know, so if you're, if you're thinking about whether you have to punch this person in the face, well, then obviously you, you could be thinking about whether to lie, to lie to them first. But generally speaking, I mean, everyone who took this course, it was really it was, it was a fantastic professor at Stanford, Ron Howard. It was a very influential course in the lives of many people because he just deconstructed this background assumption that everyone had that some amount of lying was not only normal but inevitable and and socially desirable that you know white lies were an expression of compassion generally and you just have to lie there's well, no way to navigate true, social that space without true. you must agree that white lies are, are from empathy and compassion where you want to protect someone's feelings you don't have to I mean, there's lot there's lots of steps here isn't there because mm. telling the truth doesn't mean blurting it out when you're not, you don't have to. So right. you know, if a little kid says to you, you know, am I ugly? I mean, whatever you think, surely the better thing to do is no, of course you're not. I mean, who would, who would argue that that's the ethical answer? Well, so th there are situations where, yeah, so first, as you point out, a commitment to telling the truth doesn't require that you just blurt out everything you're thinking like you have no. you know some neurological disorder yeah and it also doesn't you know it doesn't prevent you from kind of curating the kinds of truths you will tell it's like because you can't say everything on any given topic so there's, there there is no burden to say absolutely everything you think or could possibly think about someone or about a situation so you're no. you're filtering by what's true and what's useful right and so sometimes it's not useful to say something and, and, and there's no need to say it. And some things can be kept private. I mean, so you, you can keep a secret, for instance. Although, you know, I'm not a fan in general of keeping too many secrets, but, you know, you can be honest about that. You know, if someone says, how much money do you have in your, in your bank account? The truth could be, I don't want to tell you, right? So you can just say, that's not, none of your business. So you, it doesn't require a lie to carve out different zones of privacy. But in the case you reference yeah. here... There are situations where you're you're not in a relationship among equals, right? So if you you've given me a kid, right? Now, yeah, exactly. No, that, I went straight to that because yeah. I think parents lie all the time for the child's but, own good, whether but, they're right but, or but wrong. A, but actually, no. But the truth is, I have found that we have really never needed to lie to our daughters. I'm 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 only aware of once telling a lie to one of my daughters, and. It was it was really by accident. It was just, I just it was kind of like a a malapropism. I, I just um, we'd done a Google search for photos, 
for something. Uh, I forget which, what the search was, but she was very young. Maybe she was, you know, seven. And we came upon a, a, an old woodcut, uh, you know, like a 14th century woodcut of, you know, somebody, you know, somebody being decapitated. And, right. she, and she said, well, you know, what, what was that? I just got tried, tried to move by it as quickly as possible. And she said, well, what, what was, what's happening there? And I said, oh, that was, um, that was a, very, <laughs> a very old and impractical form of surgery. <laughs> that, was, that was my life. <laughs> well, that's nearly a joke. Yeah. Well, then yeah. we get into what's a lot. I mean, okay, well, that's interesting because, so do, do you, have you never pretended there's a Santa? No, no. And, and okay. that, that, that was actually the, the most common question uh, yeah. I got in response to that book, Lying. What about right. Santa? Right. So I have a whole argument about why you, you don't need to lie about Santa. But the interesting thing is I heard from dozens and dozens of people who remember what it was like to learn that Santa didn't exist and to realize that their parents had been lying to them about it. And they remember how betrayed they felt by their really? parents. Yeah. And, and, and really? it, was actually, it was actually a wound in the relationship. They just felt like they never quite trusted wow. their parents. I can't imagine that. I mean, I just, you know, uh, what about... Like I could say, my 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 mum lied to me about there and, being a god, but I I I wouldn't. I mean, it's ambiguous whether she was lying or she believed it, or you know, mm. or not. But as well, an she, atheist, in that I case, I think she, she probably believed it. Also, I, 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 I did hear from many fundamentalist Christians who said, "Oh yeah, my parents never lied about Santa because they didn't want us to think they were lying about Jesus, right?" So they were they were scrupulous about Santa. That's interesting as yeah. well, isn't it? Yeah. That's interesting as well. To give another uh, a comparable piece of information, more credibility. That's that's really good. But hold on though. Hmm. Okay, I I think that we've got to decide what constitutes a lie because I think you'll be very you're being very strict what a lie is hmm. when it comes to talking to kids. What is that? It's something else, or I don't know. I mean, because if you they ask you something and you say I don't know, and you do know. That's lying, isn't it? Well, yeah. So, I mean, so is changing the subject lying? Is is pretending not to have heard their question lying? You know, I think there's an ambiguity to what lying is. I I I wish I could think of something. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible that you say that confidently, even that you say it, whether it's right or wrong, and I'm sure it is. But that blows my mind that you don't lie. You know, and we and I only ever mean white lies, of course. You know, because it, it, I mean, here's the thing: it it almost never. I mean, the truth is, I'm almost never in a situation where it's remotely tempting, where I even see. It's like we live in three dimensional space, and it's impossible to visualize, you know, the fourth dimension. For me, the dimension, you know, where where I'd have to point, where it's tempting to lie, it has almost been lost in my experience. Like I can't even I, I can't even find it. I mean, I mean, I I can recapitulate it. So what would you it. say? What would you say when um they say like where when someone dies, a family member dies, where mm-hmm. where are they now? What do you say? Well, I mean, so, so the honest truth there, and so this is you know, just a kind of a happy accident because you and I are in slightly different camps here. My honest truth is I don't know. Right, like I, I have, I, I can get into the details of why it's intellectually credible to think that nothing happens. Right, that there's no further oh, experience. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, but I, I don't. See what I, you mean. But I, I just, I, I can, you... That's a big blank spot on the map for me. 
Right. So you I, genuinely say, you, you, you genuinely and honestly say you don't know. Yes. Right. And so, so yeah. <laughs> These poor kids, kids have got to ask the right question to get an answer, <laughs> haven't they? They've got, they've got, they've got to ask about fifteen questions to put you on the yeah, spot. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've become a very good lawyer. I'm go, yeah. Right. Ask him this. Ask him this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a deposition. The endless deposition. Of dad. That's that's yeah. incredible. I'm, I'm like I'm like Bill Clinton and Bill Gates in a deposition. Yeah, it depends what uh, the meaning well, of is is. Do you ever take the fifth when your kids are asking <laughs> you about stuff? <laughs> no, but but in truth, there's really if you're if, once you recognize that you're on the same team, right, and you you have the the interests of this person at yeah. heart, then it's just a question of how best to communicate the truth to a child generally. And so like, so in the case of, of like the, that decapitation woodcut, right? The, I mean, there's been many versions of that sort of thing that, that came up later, you know, like one of our daughters would hear us, you know, talking about something that's, you know, something horrible that had happened out in the world. And, you know, she would ask, so, you know, what, what are you talking about? What? And the honest truth is, listen, there are all kinds of things that happen in the world that you don't need to know about now. And this is no, one of that's, them. But that's sort of my point, because your argument is a bit of a circular argument. If we're trying to find out what's best to tell a child, that includes whether the truth is the best thing to tell a child, because we mm. don't know the reaction. So you might found, find out that sometimes lies are better for the child in the greater scheme of things in the world. Yeah, you know, because, I, I just don't know. Because what, there's I, lots of other I factors. Think, it, I think there are a few cases. There, there are cases in extremis, right, where you're in some sort of emergency where it's easy to imagine, or at least it's, it's plausible to argue, that a well-crafted lie is the compassionate and, and even life-saving you know, artifice that you need, whereas yes. the truth, however well-intentioned, is going to run risk of serious harm. But generally, yes. I just have not been in that situation, and it's, it's always honest to say uh, listen, you know, we're your parents and there's all kinds of things we know that, that we, you know, we'll eventually tell you, but right now, you know, you don't need to know that or. That's no, that I think, I think it's fair enough. And I think that, I think that's probably erring on the side of caution and you're probably, and you've still got you know a lot of maneuvering at your disposal there. It's not, it's not like you, you, you know, you, you haven't gone to the point of no return on in either way. So I think you're right. I think in general, but I think that if you take lies by themselves, in general, they are wrong. But when they're connected to the rest of the world, all those knock-on effects, what you've said before, what that what caused me, I think, I think it is ambiguous whether always, and I, I only mean in the sense of like act versus rule utilitarianism, right? Mm-hmm. Do not walk on the grass, very good rule, right? It's for everyone, it ruins it, don't worry. Someone having a heart attack on the grass, of course you walk yeah. on the grass. So. Take taking that as a as a, a metaphor, there must be many many situations where certainly immediately it's better to lie, and I I feel I feel that we know that. And again, I'm only talking if it's a compassionate lie, if you're protecting the feelings of someone else. I think that if you're protecting your own feelings and your own reputation, giving yourself an advantage, because that's what a lie does, isn't it? It gives you an unfair advantage in the world over someone else who's left in the dark. Yeah. That's why it's morally wrong. Well, well it is. It, it is the very. I mean, psychologically speaking, it is 
the temptation to to lie is always born of the sense that your interests and the interests of the other person have now diverged, right? Like you, you have a view of the world that you now can't share, or it would be too awkward to share, or you're now you're you're for whatever reason not disposed to share it with this other person. You don't want to give them access to reality as you see it, because you think in in some way it would be bad for you. And so it is the the very definition of selfishness, even if you have told yourself this story that it's also compassionate. Rarely do people, in my experience, think it all the way through to the end and actually believe that if they were the other person, they wouldn't want to know. Usually the the so-called compassionate lies are born of just this feeling of awkwardness, that it's just, you you don't want to be the one to say this. I agree. But but if you were the other person, you would want to know, right? Like if, you know, I mean, the, the great example in my life that came pretty early for me was I had a, had a friend who was a screenwriter who had been working on a, on a script for probably a full year. And, you know, he asked me to read it and he asked me what I thought of it. And I thought it was terrible, right? right. I mean, I really thought it was yeah. bad. And, yeah. but the truth is, I also thought he was, you know, very smart and a very promising writer. And, you know, it's like he, and he, you know, has gone on to have a great career as a, a screenwriter and a television writer. And, the the net effect of me telling him that I thought that script was terrible was that forever after, he knew I was being honest with him whenever I said I thought something was great, right? It's like, like he now, now I'm someone, I, for, I mean, this is now decades old, but sure. I've always been someone he could trust to calibrate, you know, what he, and it's not to say that my opinions are always right, but he, he knew I wasn't bullshitting him ever. And that's something. So, with my, you know, with our daughters, I mean, given given how how much we've emphasized the the value of honesty, they they just know we're not going to lie to them, and it's such a refuge uh, emotionally. It's like because you have to what you have to price in is how meaningful praise becomes from someone who you know will not lie to you. That's that's a very different kind of praise. You're getting so why, from, from people so, who are just giving it because that's what they do, because it's too awkward to say anything critical. So, so your decision outside your own personal integrity is that this is better for the child, isn't it? Mm. To learn the lesson that never lying is a, a reward for all those things. Would there ever be, a, would ever be a case, could you imagine, where you'd want them to lie? Yeah, to, in, to in, a self de- in some kind of self-defense situation, self-defense. when you're dealing yeah. with someone who you know, you can't trust and who's, who you don't, you're treating this person as a, a kind of dangerous object because that's the, you know, that's what they've become. So you, you count it almost as self-defense. So yeah. the metaphor is violence with, yeah. and, and it, I get that. And even there, there are, you know, it's worth considering whether the truth might not be better. I mean, so like the classic cases, you know, the, the Nazis show up at the door and you have Anne Frank in the attic. The, the Nazi at the door says, we're looking for a little girl. Uh, have you seen her? now?" Obviously, the, the, in the general case, the ethical thing to do there is, is lie and say, no, you know, yeah. sorry. But if you were actually in a stronger position, the truth would be better. I mean, what, what you actually would want, have, want you, to happen. You could say, yes, I got her, fuck you. Yeah, There's fuck you. And if you, make course, an, if, yeah, you, if you take another step, I'm going to put a bullet in your face, right? It's yeah, like, exactly. Like, of course. Know, but yeah. we know that's great. I mean, that's probably the best example we could ever have here. But to take it as a, a metaphor as well, the world is full of us not being in charge of the outcome. Right. It's full of that, isn't it? 
And I, I, I sort of agree with you in principle, definitely, that I don't lie. I never lie for gain. I never lie criminally. I never lie. I just never lie to take an advantage. I, I never do, right? Because I know it's wrong, but also I couldn't stand. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't. But I do lie. As I said loads of times, will you come to my party? I can't mm. come to your party. Now, the reason I can't is because it's awful and I don't want to be there, right? <laughs> but I haven't said that. I yeah. just said I can't. So, well, so, so that's, that's, <laughs> no, yeah, but that's an interesting... Uh, I'll, I'll remember that next time I invite you to a party. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd, I'd, I'd make up a really good reason yeah. for you. With you, I'd say... I, I would not detect I, it, yeah. I, I can't. I'm giving blood at the orphanage again. Right. And you'd yeah. go... Oh, he always gives blood at the orphanage. So that'd be a really <laughs> believable. He, he must not have any blood left. <laughs> Jeez, that's why. That's why he's so pale and yeah. weak. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. fainted on. St- I heard he fainted on stage at Wembley. <laughs> yeah. You oh, really couldn't God. come to the party. Oh dear. Well, so yeah. okay, but th- this is a great example, which is, um, yes, it is tempting to lie in the in those cases, but you know, w- once you set yourself the. Um, the rule that you're just you're just not going to lie, even in those socially awkward situations. Two things happen. One is it it holds a kind of mirror up to your life where you are then forced to recognize, okay, I'm one. I'm the kind of person who doesn't want to go to these kinds of parties. I mean, do do, do I want to be that kind of person? Is that like what what does this say about me that I don't want? You know, that the truth is I don't want to go to this party, yeah. and that's worth re- reflecting on. And two, it, it holds a mirror up to all of these relationships that you might not want to have, right? You, maybe you just don't want this person to think they should keep inviting you to the party you don't want to go to, right? Yeah, well, it does depend on whether it's like, yeah, friends, family, best friends, uh, acquaintance, right. annoying acquaintance. Somebody, exactly, of course, there's a sliding scale of, of uh, wanting to go to the party or mm. not. But it was just that I was, the only reason I came up with that was that I'd say, I sp- okay, no, you. I, I know what you're saying, really. Yeah, I think that's a white lie because it's for their good, and the truth would hurt. I'd say no, I don't. I don't like you enough, or right. that your party would not be as good as me sitting in my pants watching Netflix, right? But I suppose I'm really protecting myself, aren't I? That I'm doing. I'm getting the best of both worlds. I'm staying in and watching Netflix in my pants, mm. which is what my, I, I want to do, and I haven't hurt their feelings, so they might like me still. So it is. It isn't. But yeah, but also I, that you know it's interesting. I mean, there there are you know, certainly relationships I have where I could honestly say, "I'm sorry, I, I just I really just don't feel like going. I just wanted to stay home and watch yeah. Netflix, right?" Yeah, and that uh, would not yeah. be because of the nature of the you know all past communication. That would be fine. I mean, the person's not going to take it personally. No, uh, exactly. And yeah. I mean, actually, this reminds me of something that Annika discovered when she was when we um. I think we we just had our first daughter, and you know she's being asked to various situations, and because she was never telling a white lie to get out of you know having lunch or going to parties or whatever it was, she was just constantly being honest about how exhausted she was, how overwhelmed she was, how just like like she's sorry, I don't want to go, I'm just you know too yeah. tired, and she realized that most people don't do that, and you get a false picture, you almost get like an Instagram fake image of how good everyone's life is and how much they're holding it together when really they're just they're they're telling they're busy telling white lies to get out of situations that they're just too exhausted to be in 
And once you start telling people how exhausted you are, you, you unmask that in, in, the, in your network of friends and everyone confesses, yeah, I just, I couldn't go, I, I just couldn't bring myself to go because I was so tired, I just felt like watching Netflix. Yeah, but I mean, the, the script example, that happens to me a lot, right? Mm. As, as you read this, right? And it, my, my heart sinks. But I already know, however bad it is, I'm never going to say anything too terrible about it. What I do is I try and find one good thing about it. And right. I just say that, I go, oh, I like the uh, so-and-so, good so-and-so, good luck with it. You know, um, I could never say, I mean, how honest were you? I mean, I know, again, uh, no, this was... is not my best friend. I'm, I'm assuming this is not, this is not my best friend. No, or no, no, no. Friend. on the con, it flip it around. It, the, it, so, you're, so you're saying you would be honest with your best friend? I'd be much more honest. With my right. best, I go, oh, I don't know. There's a, there's a thing about that. I wouldn't do that. That's a bit clear. I, I'd still be, I'd, I'd still do it with compassion, but I'd be, a lot more honest because I care more. I'd want my my best friend to make it more. You okay, know? but what what but if I, you had a yeah. friend? What if you had yeah. a friend who was spending all their time trying to do something that you really thought they were not cut out for? Right? Let's I mean, yeah. you could, let's take it. Yeah, I think the, no, the, that's a very good one. The example I, I use in, in the book, I think, is with an with an actor. You know, someone who's, yeah. who wants to be an actor wants nothing more than to be the next, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. But for a dozen reasons you think this whole project, this whole life course is doomed, right? Like, there's no way this person is going to make it as an actor. Yeah. What, I, what do uh, you say? Well, I'd still keep my mouth shut because I could be wrong. I wouldn't want, if, if I was the person to say, you'll never make it, give up. If I could see that alternative reality, if I was God, and I suddenly see that in five years, mm. he actually does something and he gets a lucky break and he's massive. I don't want to be the one in my reality that destroyed his dreams because I don't know the truth. Well, don't, but but, that, but that's part of it. So that uncertainty is the, the, an accurate description of the truth as you see it, right? So you can, you can always discount your opinion. You can say, listen, I, this is just my opinion. But honestly, I think you should, you should yeah. find another game to play. Right, like uh, that, you know. but, but you've established that the more you tell the truth like that, the more brutally honest you are with people, the more they respect your opinion. Hmm. So now, me being brutally honest about how terrible he is has much more chance of him believing that and giving up. All okay, I'm saying okay, is, but that, is my yeah, I okay, know. But that's no, a good I, thing. So, so, but you, you just have to think of what it you, might be a good thing, or he might be depressed, not doing because people can do the thing they love and never get anywhere. That's true. But actually, have had a had a happier life doing it. You know. Well, so, it, well yeah, okay, but but yes, but that's that again. This is a conversation, and that's more of the truth you're you're putting yes, out. I I know. I'm ag I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. I'm just throwing up little, I suppose, counterexamples or upshots, really, because it is a tricky one. But but also, it comes down. I mean, it comes down to the shoot one person uh, and the other nine go f uh, free, or all ten get shot. There's a certain amount that goes. It's not up to me to shoot anyone. Mm. It's not up to me to save the other. It's not up to me. This isn't my problem. You, do, do, do you know what I'm saying? It's, I think it's totally valid moral, morally to go, who the fuck are you handing out? Okay, but, but just, you just have to visualize. You just have to visualize the complete situation. Here we're talking about someone who has asked for your opinion. Right. And you, you okay. if you if you imagine this is just the golden rule. I mean, what would you want yeah. to know in the, if you were in their place, if you were trying to be an actor and you actually didn't have the talent for it, or or the people closest to you 
thought you didn't ah, have the talent okay. for it and they weren't but telling now, you right ah but now i'm an expert in the know that can genuinely help him mm. you see i think the important thing is here that, that that i'm not well people come to me and show me their scripts because they know i'm in i've made my way i'm quite high up in mm. that industry so it's not just my opinion it's how useful i am because i could give them golden nuggets right. i could give yeah, them that's... you know so I think we have to take that out of it. Yeah. I think uh, I think we have to. I don't know what uh, I can't think of an example. Something I don't know about, in my honest opinion, I think that is more interesting because it's just purely my opinion, and whether mm. that's hurtful or not. I'm I'm glad we've we've had this conversation because it's been something I've been wanting to tell you, and I'm just going to be brutally honest. I don't think this stand-up comedy thing is going to work out for you. <laughs> You know what though? When you started like that, it was very well done, and there was a little, there was a little adrenaline rush. Like, what the fuck's he going to tell me? I actually, for one second, then I thought this is going to be a joke. This is going to be a joke. But for one second, I thought, what the fuck is he going to say? So that, so, yeah. but that's my point. I don't want to be the one to brutally hurt someone's feelings for one okay. second. Yeah, no, but, even if in five right. years they might appreciate it more. But the thing. <laughs> I, I just do. I do think the golden rule is the right heuristic here because you just. It, it might be the case that you wouldn't want to know if you were in their shoes, and then then it becomes more interesting to consider whether you should tell them anything. But if you really, if you know, you would want to know. I mean, it's, I mean, I've I've seen situations yeah. where all of the friends of this person are having a conversation behind their back, and no one is telling the person. Yeah, well, that's how that's, they're. I mean, and we're talking about yeah. their closest friends. It's crazy. I know. That's really unfortunate and, and awkward and a little bit sad and because we're assuming they're delusional now, aren't we? And, that's, yeah, and it's not nice it. to be delusional, yeah. But you, you say the golden rule, and uh, I think there's, there's a bit of a luxury to saying that because when you say, um, I'd want to know it, so so do you, that's arrogant because everyone's different. And mm. just because I can take, like, I can take insults, I can take trolls, for me to suddenly go, well, I can take it, so I'm going to just troll someone on Twitter and, and do a devastating thing. Then I'm going to go, what are you crying for? I can take it. I think that's a, I don't know. Well, well, I don't I mean, think that's, but that's was... too. That's an adversarial situation. I, I think the, yeah, I mean, you can you can correct for what you know of the difference between yourself and another person, but sure. I mean, the, the truth is, it, you very quickly train the people in your life. I mean, once you start being are you rigorously honest with everybody? Then people don't ask your opinion anymore unless they actually want it. You know, I, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm almost never in a situation where someone's asking me my opinion, and then I discover this mismatch between, you know, my valuing honesty and their expectation of, you know, me just blowing smoke, and you know, they walk away unhappy. Like that, that hasn't happened for decades that i'm aware of in my life at this point so i know i know now if i ask you someone and yeah, you go you're gonna get it i don't i don't know i know you're lying sam do you think i'm losing my hair i don't know <laughs> well not, look i don't know I don't, you're not looking sam i don't you're, have eyes <laughs> ricky i'm blind sam been, you're not blind i've been having you're, you're problems juggling. with my vision i can see, yeah. I can see you juggling <laughs> am i going bald yes or no well that's a very interesting as well because hmm. um just going back to your kids asking you, you know, where do dead people go? Mm. I don't know. That, that again, that's very convenient for you because this is my thing with um, when people mistake 
agnosticism with atheism, right? That one's one's knowledge and one's belief. So no one knows. So your kids could say, "What's your best guess, though, Dad? What do you mm-hmm. believe? You're a smart, you're a smart bloke, Dad. <laughs> what do you believe?" <laughs> <laughs> so so you don't know. No one knows. What do you believe? I'm say my friend uh, Ricky over here yeah. believes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's why we're uh, not going to invite him to the next party. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am a. In general, I'd say, if anyone asks me, I, I'm. I think you know, lying is wrong for all the reasons we discussed. I, I, I do try and be brutally honest. I think it's something to be proud of, but I still. I still wield that with a bit of well, the, compassion, the, and I put it in. I put it in fiction as well, like the the film you know I did with our mutual friend Matthew Robinson. The scene in that where I lie to my mum because there's nothing to gain from that. Right. I can suddenly lie. She's terrified of death. She's definitely going to die in thirty seconds. Hmm. What would be the point of saying you you go into the ground, your worms meet? Bye, mum. So that's an example there of clearly, I could say it's. A, a good lie even though, even though you could also say it made me feel better that i didn't have to go through that awkward thing and see her in fear right. i think that's that's quite clearly and distinctly an example of what we we have to agree on is a good lie don't well, we well again yeah the, there are situations where you're not, you're now no longer relating to someone who is an equal i mean it's a paternalistic situation where you're saving a, a child or you're saving an, yeah. an old person or someone with with dementia you're saving them some emotional distress yes and that's oh, that's where mean. it okay, becomes that's... tempting okay yeah and, and i think yeah. yeah and i think in those cases yes you're it, it is sort of like you know it's different but it is like the self-defense situation where you're it's no longer i agree you know you're, I... you're, you're just putting a fire out well, with those two caveats, with nothing to gain or lose, whether, yeah, and uh, self-defense, I think I'm in agreement. I but think there's, in- there's one variable here which we haven't mentioned, which is, is probably the biggest, certainly one of the biggest reasons not to lie, is that it eliminates a kind of cognitive overhead that people have that is completely unwieldy, and, and, and it is it's a serious it's a continuous basis for embarrassment and reputational harm, which completely goes away, which is you, when you know you're going to tell the truth in any situation, there's nothing to keep track of. You don't have to remember what you said last time. You don't have to think about no, what you told some other person who may have told this person. There's just a seamlessness to your life where, so if your story changes, Honestly, well, then you then it's like I don't. It doesn't matter what I said last time. I, I might have believed that last time, but now I'm just telling you how things I, look to I, me right now. I agree, but I don't think we can treat morality and lying and all those things like a science. I still think there's a there's a certain amount of dogma to it that if you say it's always wrong to lie, or what I I I, I think there's no, no it's not it's not had. always, but it's it's not always wrong to to shoot someone in the face either. I mean, that's you know. no, it's not. <laughs> No, no, it's not. It's definitely not. No, I, I think we we both agreed on that one. Yeah. In fact, yeah. it's probably better to lie to them and then shoot them in the face. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. We we do agree. I I, mm. uh, I think there's an ambiguity of what lying is as well. I think there is a convenience of sidestepping the lie that isn't totally mm. honest. But with all those caveats, I think we're in agreement that yeah. in general. It is always better to tell the truth, and I think the truth will out anyway, because there's only there's delusion as well, isn't there? And there's like 
you know, people denying the facts that are in front of them. Mm. So that, I mean, that's, that's never good on on that scale. It's dangerous to humanity, of course, but on a very personal level, I think, yeah, you, you probably do have a better life and everyone around you has a better life. If you're all, if, if they're all honest and everyone knows they're honest, that, yeah. that is surely the best society we could have because we only have to undo all these fears of heaven and hell because we started them in the first place. You know, a, a, a secular society from the, the last living person, you know, the oldest person in a society who was brought up secular and logical and that probably wouldn't have those we probably wouldn't see those fears starting would we be it would be i don't know i i don't know about that psychologically is it is it better to tell kids there's to not know to not give your best guess not to give the whole truth nothing but the truth i mean how what 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 does death what does death mean to a child what does death mean to a 10 year old the the lie is is always the stark lie of you know certainty about heaven, say you know so you know grandma is definitely in a better place, and we're going to see her again, yeah, it doesn't even make sense, given the fact that people are still assimilating every death as though it were a, a genuinely bad thing. I mean people are yeah bereaved, they're sorry to to not see the person again in their life, but if it were actually true that you were sure that she went to a better place and that you will be reunited, it's just not a bad thing. Death is just, I mean, and so insofar as you can, I mean, the, the temptation to believe this is that insofar that you, as you actually can believe this about death, it does remove the sting in, in death. I mean, there is just, there is no problem. It's a I suppose promotion. I can't get over that. I, I can't, you know, I don't even, I care less about, humanity and society when we're talking about this sort of thing than I do about what does it do to one six-year-old mm. when you're brutal. I, I, I keep coming back to that. Is it, I don't know whether we know it's good or bad yet. I think we know that the thing, the thing you actually want to be able to teach a child in order to, to equip them to be a, a sane and, and well-integrated human being is, is not that there's this fictional world or this world you know this this world about which no one can be sure that rectifies every problem every apparent problem in life the good people go to the good place the bad people go to the bad place and you get everything you want after you die it's not to teach them that it's to, it's actually to equip them emotionally to deal with reality insofar yeah. as we have every reason to believe it exists so to i mean so yeah. you you want you want yeah. a child who learns that Grief is part of life, and it's an expression of one's love for that person, and it's totally healthy and predictable yeah. and understandable, and, and it bonds you to other people with this force of compassion. I mean, you're, we're all in this circumstance together, and it's, I mean, the, the very interesting thing about the pretense of certainty about the afterlife that religious people indulge is that it isolates truly grieving people. I mean, when you're a fundamentalist Christian, and your your husband dies, and you're just you are actually miserable, right? And I mean, insofar as you're paying lip service to the idea that they they might be in heaven, and you're going to see them again, you are actually bereaved, right? You're actually mm. devastated. You're surrounded by people 
who are just aiming their happy talk at you, saying, yeah. you know, it's all for the best, and he's with Jesus, and you're you're isolated in your grief. You're not actually getting real compassion from them. You're getting a fantasy that is not meeting you in the moment of your grief. Well, okay. Well, in in conclusion, if uh, you know you you want the truth and you want kids to grow up knowing that the harsh realities of of life to prepare them. I think you should not only get him a dog, but get him a very sick dog. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. Good. Yeah. That was great. That was great. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Uh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy is right. dead. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Good.